Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Understanding our history is very important, especially for me as a historian and a curious person. I am passionate about learning our history and getting especially geeked out when I learn about my own family. I believe this comes from the simple fact that I was born with a number. You see, I am Theodore Charles Knightsky IV. And as a result, it's easy for me to be able to tell you my name's history. I mean, my dad was a salesman, his dad was an accountant, his father was a business professional who died young, and his father, well, he may have the coolest name in our whole family book, Johann Friedrich Wilhelm Knightsky. And his wife's name, well, her name was Wilhelmina Unk. And we were named after her brother, Theodore Unk. Johann emigrated to the United States to get out of the turmoil in Germany in the 1860s during their civil wars. Story passed on from dad to dad to dad to dad. And now my son Charlie, well, he's actually Theodore Charles Knightsky V. So he'll be able to carry on those stories as well. Pretty cool, eh? Well, how's your memory of your history? How's your memory in general? And how do you reflect with intention to be a better version of yourself so that you can look back at your journey to ensure future successes for yourself and others? Then, how do you help others see the past themselves? I think one of the most important qualities of a leader is to have a good memory and be curious when you don't understand something or someone. And instead of making a snap judgment or lay claim to an idea of the reason behind something, well, you find out, you get curious, and you ask questions. Frankly, I think we could all get a little better at this. It is when we investigate that, well, that we learn the most important parts of understanding the world that we live in. We provide a record of the journey, and most importantly, we remember or memorialize why and what happened. Now, as a reminder here, we are leaders, and leaders are obligated to be resilient, perseverant, and optimistic. We are buffalo leaders who intentionally run into the storm because we know we have influence, and we are ever aware that we need to be the best version of ourselves for others. And it is with that mindset that I want to share a new memory for me and others, but nothing new to history, with you. The story includes little bears, military desertion, and heroics. This episode was sparked when I was asked to speak for our community's Memorial Day celebration, and I kept thinking about the different people in my life that have served our country in one way or another. I mean, I have a lot of memories to share when it comes to the men and women making sacrifices in the service of our country. It actually begins with a man named Jonathan Neeland, who is my great, 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 grandfather. And he was born in East Haddam, Connecticut. He was a private in the Connecticut Regiment of the Continental Army during the American Revolution and was captured along with his entire group during the Battle of New York as they were retreating under orders to escape the British that were charging at them. I know my history and it is filled with all of these great memories and I usually find myself in the library or online researching to understand and have been known to actually drive to historical societies all over the region just to find answers to questions that were nagging at me. I've actually called my congressman to make an open records request and pulled information about my family. Heck, my grandfather served in the 8th Army Air Corps during World War II and spent three and a half years away from his family in England and France as a crew chief maintaining and supporting bombers. This after his eardrum blew out while training to be a gunner on a bomber, and that likely saved his life. 
As I was thinking about which of these grandfathers to talk about, it struck me that I had another grandfather that I knew very little about. And with the help of my brother's Ancestry.com account, two books, three phone calls, a records request from the federal government, and a few hours reading multiple military dissertations, I was able to create a memory and document another man's journey, and that is of my great-grandfather on my maternal side. My maternal's maternal side. Well, in other words, my grandma's dad. His name was William Horch, an immigrant and the son of immigrants who grew up in Kansas, but did a few extraordinary things in order to serve his country and fight a blood-sworn enemy in World War I. You ready? Turns out that William Horch was born in Russia. However, his parents were German. That led me to wonder, how did they end up in Russia? Well, turns out during the middle of the 1800s, there was a great amount of infighting and civil wars taking place in Germany. And... In Western Russia, there were German settlements that were allowed to be strictly German. These German settlements in Russia did not follow Russian rules, laws, or traditions. Hmm. But they were allowed to maintain all of their traditions and stay German. However, in the late 1800s, the Russians said, "Mm, no more, and we want you to be more Russian. So the Germans who were living there said, auf Wiedersehen. And they rooted up again and moved to the United States and different parts of Europe, which is how a four-year-old William Horch and my great-grandfather ended up in a small city in Kansas called Hoisington. Here, he was raised by his ethnically German parents from Russia, and I'm assuming with a little bit of anger and rage at those two countries for the mistreatment of the Horch family. My grandfather was 20 years old when World War I broke out. He was educated through high school and working as a professional even though he had been raised on this family farm. Here is where the story gets really interesting. You see, when World War I began after the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand and all the intermingled treaties of Europe were engaged, literally amongst angry cousins who had built giant militaries, the Tsar of Russia, the King of England, and the King of Germany, the German Kaiser, were all actually, well, they were angry with each other, but weirdly they were all related and descendants of one queen, Queen Victoria. Well, the European world went to war. And the United States, however, well, they said this is a European conflict and they wanted to stay clear. So the United States declared itself neutral. Weirdly, however, neither the Germans, French or English, felt the United States was being neutral. And as the world's first full-blown mechanical war was raging, the United States was, well, making money, exporting goods to Europe. The Germans felt a little slighted and believed that the Anglo-Americans were sending more goods to England and France than anywhere else. So the Germans began to, well, deploy these little new things called submarines, and they were sinking any ship that they felt were carrying armaments or war essentials. Well, these actions started to enrage, enrage many U.S. citizens. Now, in the meantime, Canada, our neighbor to the north, had committed to fight for King George in the United Kingdom, so the Canadian Expeditionary Forces were enlisted, and each of the provinces began to train, arm, and equip their soldiers to make the journeys to Europe to fight for their sovereign. Now, why did I tell you all that? Well, here's where my great-grandfather makes a unique decision, and I learned a little bit more about my DNA. You see, the Canadians were accepting U.S. citizens into their military. I learned all about this because... One of the documents my brother sent me were that of my great-grandfather's enlistment papers for the Winnipeg Grenadiers. Yeah, the Canadian Army. I was like, wait, he's, what? He's an ethnic German born in Russia, emigrated to the United States, to Kansas, and then decided after high school at 20 years of age while working in a neutral country 
to take the train to Canada and join the Canadian Expeditionary Forces. I was like, what is happening? This is amazing. And then after reading T.J. Harris's dissertation from 1997 at the University of Nebraska at Omaha entitled Americans Who Fought for the Maple Leaf, I learned that nearly 41,000 Americans went to Canada to fight in Europe for Canada. Another handful of Americans went to the French Legion and a few to the British and Belgian armies, and actually a few thousand went to Germany to do the same. Well, America, after all, was neutral, and they were seeking to serve their ethnicity, look for adventure, or fight an old enemy. It was also illegal for men or women from the United States to serve in another nation's army. So when my great-grandfather did so, it was at the risk of his citizenship and his freedom. Nevertheless, Grandpa William went to Canada and joined the Winnipeg Grenadiers in February of 1917. It turns out the Canadian military was actually recruiting in the Midwest, and the majority of men who went to Canada, those 41,000, were from three areas, the Midwest, Texas, and Virginia. He enlisted and was paid $1.10 per day for his service. Now, a weird aside. A few years ago, I was reading a book that I saw, and it was a book about World War I. It was called Winnie's Great War. As I was reading my grandfather's document, I remembered that the soldiers from Winnipeg, Canada, the Winnipeg Grenadiers, had found a bear cub while they were training in Canada. They took the bear cub in, cared for it, and named it, are you ready, Winnie, after the Winnipeg Grenadiers. Winnie was taken by ship to England, and during the trainings, the bear was constantly with the military men in their camp. However, when they were deployed to fight in France, the commander said, Winnie's got to stay here. He cannot come to the front. So the men brought the bear to the London Zoo, where he inspired the fictional character, Winnie the Pooh. I was like, what? My Russian-born, ethnically German grandfather from Kansas was in the regiment that Winnie the Pooh was in? Oh, anyways, let's keep this going. The men from the United States fighting for Canada against the Axis were considered pretty heroic by the men and women back in the United States. So much so that the great composer John Philip Sousa wrote a march just for the Americans enlisted in the Canadian military. Now, this is even more interesting. These men in Canada were called the American Legion by their Canadian counterparts. Did you know that origin? Me neither. This piece, called American Legion March, was written for the men who were in Canada and the Canadian companies from the United States. Well, they would march to this. Here are the lyrics to that song. We're fighting because we want to, because we love both fight and write. There's Tommy and Mikey and then Scotty too. Canadian, Australian, and Hindu. English and Irish and Scottish. All swank. Turn out. Look at us over. For we are the Yank. I imagine my grandfather William, at five feet, five and a half inches, as his paper states, standing tall amongst these proud and brave men marching around Canada. Now, he enlisted in February, and he was training in Canada. Most training programs at the time were between 12 and 16 weeks. As I was researching his military records from Canada, I came across his discharge papers. I looked at them and was stunned. My eyes got big and my heart began to hurt a little bit. You see, sometimes when you look for memories and you get curious, you don't always find what you expect. And I was frankly saddened by what I had seen. On his discharge papers, it read that he was discharged from the Canadian military service on November 6, 1917. Now, what made me feel strange and hesitant was reading the word 
deserter on his Canadian discharge paper. My head filled with all kinds of stuff, and I thought, this is really weird. Until, well, until thanks to a couple of articles, dissertations, and books, I realized what he had done. You see, two months after he had listed, the United States declared war on Germany and the Axis. And my great-grandfather, well, he stuck around Canada until he completed his training. Then he went on leave before deployment and likely took the train back to Kansas and decided never to return to Canada because after 18 weeks of working in the Winnipeg Grenadiers and training, well, he went home. And then Woodrow Wilson declared war on the Germans. He signed a bill into law that protected the men who went to other countries to fight and forgave them of any wrongdoing. And on June 2nd, 1917, William Horch of Kansas enlisted in the United States Army and immediately deployed to Europe because he had already been trained where he was a wagoneer in the 83rd Division, the Thunderbolts, and likely served close to his old Canadian buddies. His job throughout the war in the American Army was to supply the front, and his job was dangerous. I read about how both sides would bomb the routes during the battles to slow down the movement of munitions and ensure resupply was difficult because his job, as described in the text, was to bring in bullets and bring out bodies while it was raining German artillery on its route, artillery filled with ammunitions and gas. Every day for the years of service, my grandfather was what was known as a wagoneer, driving a wagon cart that would be filled with the supplies needed at the front, a wagon cart pulled by horses. And all he did was chase back and forth during the battles under heavy fire. At the end of World War I, he was honorably discharged, moved to Chicago for work, met a young woman, and married my great-grandmother. The two of them, after marriage, had a little baby girl. That was my grandma Ginny. But unfortunately, the difficulties of childbirth took my great-grandmother's life. And my great-grandfather was left with an infant daughter and was helped by his Swedish sister-in-laws and my grandmother's family. All this while my great-grandfather William was silently suffering as well. War has lasting impacts on those who serve, and my great-grandfather eventually succumbed to lung issues and a disease as a result of his exposure to poisonous gases during World War I, and he died in his mid-30s in the early 1930s. He was buried in Menominee, Michigan with full military honors and left my grandma an orphan. Curiosity, combined with a desire to understand and recreate memories of experiences, and others can find some pretty amazing things. And now, as leaders, we have an obligation to understand the history of those around us, in our lives, and those we serve. I mean, this all started with a request to speak, and I ended up using every spare moment of my last three weeks to learn all of this amazing history. Oh, how I wish I could have met this man, that he would have lived long enough to share his stories, and that I could have asked about the Bear Winnie, what it was like to go to Canada and then leave Canada, and what his parents were like, but I didn't. Instead, in my DNA is a man and a history. Leaders who find the opportunity to be empathetic and support others are likely to get them farther as a result of their commitment to seeking understanding. I believe that we are each obligated to understand our world. We are obligated to charge into the storms with others. And most importantly, we need to understand the history of the world around us. So let's do some smart thinking. List those in your world you need to learn more about. Describe a story with your DNA that explains more about you and your family. And list people you need to share your story with. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please make sure to share and like this episode with whoever needs a little boost in understanding 
of the importance of understanding their own history. And of course, thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music. And please make sure to subscribe or follow them on whatever your musical platform is. I want to leave you with this thought. Actually, this question. What is the power of a handshake in a simple interaction? You see, each time we get to interact with others, it's an opportunity to grow ourselves. How, you ask? Well, we each have a history, and sometimes that history is filled with service and sacrifice. When I was a young teacher, my students used to write to the veterans on Veterans Day and Memorial Day. I was always bothered when the commander would thank me for the letters and indicate that it was just shy of unheard of for VFW and American Legion posts to get letters in the 1980s and 1990s. I thought, what a missed opportunity to interact with those on the side of history. It ended up that I started speaking for legions and VFWs all over the Midwest and eventually at a national convention to encourage them to do more outreach with schools. Why? Well, there's a lot of curiosity that is needed in the world. My presentation was called One Handshake. And what I demonstrated to these veterans and teachers and students across the region was that it's just a simple handshake that separates us from stories and history in a big way. Think of this. When I was 18 years old, I could interact with World War II veterans. When those World War II men and women were 18, they interacted with vets from World War I, the Spanish-American War. And believe it or not, when those World War II guys were in middle school and elementary school, they actually met Civil War veterans. And some of the World War II veterans told me how they met their great-grandfather or their grandfather who fought in the Civil War. Those World War II guys were the Civil War vets for me, and the Civil War vets for them were interacting with soldiers, are you ready, from the American Revolution when they were kids. Do the math. It's not that long ago, and it's not that many handshakes. So one handshake with one vet is only three away from the American Revolution for me when I was in high school. I mean, when I hugged my grandmother, those were the same arms that went around a Russian-born ethnic German who went to Canada to fight the Germans as an American citizen and ended up in the United States fighting for his country. One hug, a million stories. Now, as leaders, take the time to understand the people in your world, your life, and your service. I mean, my great-grandfather was likely strolling the streets in Kansas and passing men who fought in the American Civil War. He was in Russia next to men who fought in the German Civil Wars, and he was in the trenches with men from all over the place. Everyone has a story. Not as militaristic as this one I share today, but we need to honor everyone, drive our leadership and life with empathy, and seek ways to support everyone because everyone has a story. Imagine being the teacher who had my young grandma Ginny, little Ginny Horch, my grandmother, an orphan being raised by a patchwork of aunts and uncles during the Great Depression. Think of that. If you knew that story about her mom and dad and all the things that her father had gone through before he had lost his life and succumbed to the injuries from the gas, you'd be a very different person to little Ginny. Everyone has a story. Everyone. She had a story. So this week and every week, no matter what your role is, look at everyone with curiosity and remember... They have amazing stories in their DNA. We are the ones who should be curious so that we can help those around us to be the best versions of themselves. I know you've been blue. I miss the way you do. So drop your disguise and lift those tired eyes and love. Under a meteor shower Make such a 
in my